Please do turn with me tonight to the book of Numbers, to chapter 21, and I'd like to read this ninth verse. This will be our text tonight, a very graphic picture for us this evening. On a warm and muggy evening, I trust that all will be able to follow this most simple but profound of pictures. We read it here in verse 9 of Numbers chapter 21. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. One of the most memorable and beautiful pictures of the whole of the Old Testament. Speaking of the children of Israel as they made their journey for 40 years through the desert, through the wilderness, out of Egypt to the Promised Land. And so, as with many incidents in God's Word, these are actual historical events. They really happened. But they're also figures, we call them types, pictures, allegories, similes, many words. They are figurative. What actually happened speaks of something far, far greater. If you have your Bibles with you, you might like to turn to that most famous chapter of all, John, John's Gospel, in chapter 3. We cannot but turn here, John chapter 3 and verse 14. People usually read verse 16, but they don't read the two verses beforehand. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. He's referring back to the book of Numbers chapter 21, to the verse that we've just read. And this is what he says. And as... That word as means it was a picture and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man, that's Christ himself, be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One of 82 mentions of the word whosoever in the four Gospels. Did you realize that? Whosoever. That's really repeated in our text. If you turn back to the book of Numbers, whosoever. An old-fashioned word that means anyone, everyone. 82 times in four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whosoever. Isn't that striking? Well, bear that in mind as we come to look at our picture tonight. This analogy. What's it a picture of? Well, obviously it's about Christ. Christ himself says... This is speaking of me. Shortly, in a year or two, when the Lord Jesus was aged 30, 31, 32, we don't know. 
he would be lifted up. He would go to the cross, go to Calvary, not on a pole, but on a cross. Not a snake, but the Son of God, the one who came to deal with the problem of the serpent from Genesis chapter 3. Now it's not a serpent lifted up, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the significance here in the book of Numbers. It's a serpent. The serpent caused the damage. The serpent caused the damage here in Numbers 21, and it's a brass serpent that they have to look to in order to be healed. But when Christ came, it was a human being, a real person, who would be the one who would save. So this incident is rich in meaning. It's just as relevant today as it was for the children of Israel, in fact more so, because Christ has died. Christ has been lifted up. And now we don't need to think in terms of a figure and a type, a parable, if you like. We can see the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that he lived and he died and he rose again. And so this is even more meaningful to us. Now our title, I don't always give our title, sometimes I forget. Our title tonight, Look and Live. The youngest child here tonight. Look and Live. Could anything be more straightforward? Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can live eternally this night from ever onwards. Look to Christ. That's the message. Three words. Look and live. Well, let me give you three brief headings this evening. We need to look first at the sin of the people. We need to look at the deadly danger because of the sin of the people. And then we need to look at the unique remedy and the cure which was effective for some, but not for all. So let's look under those three headings tonight. The sin of the people. Verse 4, the children of Israel were journeying, they were making their way, and significantly it says here, they had to travel around the country of Edom, Edom, the Edomites. These were a great enemy of the children of Israel. Do you know it was dug up three years ago in the Araba desert mentioned here in this chapter and they found the evidence of the Edomites in exactly that place the word of God yet again vindicated, just as God's word says. But the children of Israel, instead of taking the direct route, they were told by God through Moses that they would have to travel the long way round. Bear that in mind. And so it says, and the soul of the people was much discouraged. Well, they would have gone a direct way, 
And it wouldn't have taken 40 years if only the people had trusted. Trusted in the Lord God, trusted in his promises, instead of complaining. This is what happens. The soul inside, you know that little voice where all our thoughts come. The words inside our head. I don't like this. I don't like that. The soul of the people was much discouraged. We have lots of thoughts, don't we? Some of them are good thoughts. Oh, that person, they're so kind. They do so much. That church, they, they try and help in every way they can. Sometimes we have thoughts. They're not good thoughts. Thoughts of hate. Well, the people turned their thoughts into words. That's much worse, isn't it? Verse 5. And the people spake against God. They didn't just think it. Now they spoke it. And they didn't just say it against God. They spoke against his servant. Why have you brought us here? This desert? We would rather be slaves again. In Egypt, we would rather be making bricks out of straw and mud. In Egypt, why have you brought us here? We're going to die. Well, some of them would because of their sin. But that wasn't God's plan. His plan was to take them to the promised land. And all the problems that they had were self-inflicted because they doubted. And because they murmured, they started to complain. Look at what they said. We're going to die here. There's no bread. There's no water. And we don't like what God has provided. This is just one incident. In Psalm 78, we read that they complained again and again and again. Do you know our life can be like that? There are many things that happen in life. Some of them are very sad. The sin of others impacting upon our lives. The dreadful diseases that happen in the world because we live in a fallen world that's perishing, that one day will be finished. That's another reason for suffering. And then, of course, there's the suffering we cause because of the choices that we make. This was a choice that they made to complain against God, to complain against all his provision for them. He fed them, he clothed them, he gave them shoes that didn't wear out for 40 years, clothes. He gave them nutritious food. He protected them up to this point from deadly scorpions and serpents. In this desert, we know, because people tell us from today, there are some of the worst snakes and scorpions in the whole world. And if they bite you, you can be dead within half an hour in this very place, just as the word of God says. But up until then, the people 
had been protected. Just as an aside, isn't it interesting how often people say, how can a God that you believe allow suffering? They ask that question, and the same people say there is no God. There's no God in heaven. And yet, when it comes to suffering, they blame it all on God. War, that's God's fault. Disease, that's God's fault. My breakdown of this, that and the other, job loss and everything else, that's God's fault. The very same people, they don't believe there's a God. They don't believe there's a Bible that speaks the truth. You see the inconsistency in the human life. Well, the sin of the people, we've looked at that. Look at the danger. Verse 6, God has seen the sin. Do you know most of the time God doesn't deal with us in the way that we deserve? We reject authority. We reject the word of God. We don't show thankfulness to him. We don't pray to him. We don't worship him. We don't want him. I want to live my way, and I'll do as I please, and I'll live my life for myself. That's, that's what people say, isn't it? It's what we say before we come to the Lord Jesus and know that there's a much better way to live for him. And so the Lord on this occasion, he doesn't do this very often, but on this occasion, verse 6, and the Lord sent fiery serpents. We don't know what they were. Was it a king cobra? I'm told the third most deadly snake in the world. If a king cobra bites you, the venom will kill you within 15 minutes. A fully grown elephant, I'm told, will die within two hours. If a king cobra bites you, I don't know what it was, but this was a deadly, deadly scorpion or snake or some creature. And the Lord sent it. How interesting. The picture here is a serpent, a snake, a deadly creature, the one that caused Eve and Adam to fall. And the same creature comes now among the people and God is judging them. Is that right? Is that fair? Is this God of love really a God of love? Well, the Lord was doing it for a reason. Because he's just and holy. And he's actually gracious and kind. And this judgment, this terrible thing that happened, was for the good of the people. It was to make them come to him. To stop complaining. To stop thinking that God was being ungracious. This judgment in individual lives was to bring the people one by one 
to him the sin of the people and the deadly danger. Up until now, he's protected them. He's kept the snakes away. He's guided them with that fire by night and the cloud by day. Every step of the way, he's struck the rock and given them water. He's given them food. He's given them everything. But now, the Lord sends judgment. Fiery serpents. Sometimes he does that in our lives. He allows something sad and terrible to happen. He allows wars to happen. He allows conflict to shake the world, to make people see there is a God in heaven. Many and most of the problems that we have are caused because of us. We look within our hearts and see that's where the problem starts. A deadly, deadly danger, but what the Lord was doing was just. It was fair, they deserved it, there's no doubt. It was to bring the people to their knees. Look at verse 7. We come to the third point, the remedy. Therefore the people came to Moses. They, they've been made to think. They've seen people falling over one by one and dying. What's going on? There is a God. God is judging us. We've sinned. That's what they say. We have sinned. We've spoken against the Lord. We've spoken against you, Moses. We were wrong. The people are being woken up. Their hearts are being stirred. They're beginning to feel their own individual sins. They're being convicted. We have sinned personally. We've spoken against God, against you, Moses. And now they come and pray. But they don't have a relationship with God. And so they say to Moses, will you pray for us? We don't need to do that now. We can pray on our own. We don't need a priest. We don't need somebody to stand between. Christ has come. We pray to him directly through the Holy Spirit to the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. But they went to Moses and said, take this away, it's too much. Take away the snakes. Take away the deadly, deadly effect. Oh, what a picture. God judging the people because of their own sin. It was fair, it was just, it was proportionate. The Lord had delivered them from Pharaoh. He'd taken them through the Red Sea. Oh, he's done everything for them up until that day. And now they come and beg and they come and plead. Will God hear? Will God hear your prayer tonight? If you get on your knees and pray, oh, he will. Oh, he did hear. Verse 8, the Lord has heard the prayer. And he says, he spoke directly to Moses, Moses, the man of God. 
he speaks to him and he says, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to give a free, open salvation to whosoever. 82 times, four Gospels, whosoever. So he says, Moses, go and get a pole. I don't know how he found one in the wilderness. There weren't many trees. But somehow he found a piece of wood. We imagine it to be quite tall. Maybe it wasn't straight. A piece of wood. He gets some brass. We know that they could make brass. And he winds it round the pole and it looks just like a serpent. I don't know quite what it would have looked like. I put a picture on Instagram of what somebody has depicted it might have looked like. It was sort of curving round this long six, ten foot pole. I imagine it would have been very tall so all the people could have seen it. What a sight! Moses does just what the Lord says. This is what he says to him. It shall come to pass, definitely. This is certain. That everyone, whosoever, that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. That's a promise, isn't it? There's no if, buts, and maybes. There's no the good people. The people that address properly. The people who are not complaining so much. No, whosoever, everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it shall live. This simple picture, let me tell you a few things about it. Isn't it simple? Look, live. Don't get a PhD. Don't go and have to buy something. Just look. But it's so profound. Because it sorted the people into two camps. Those who would listen and obey and exercise faith and those that wouldn't. They would die. It was utterly unique. Nothing like it in the whole of the Bible. Utterly Unique. There was no other remedy. They couldn't make their own potions at home. They couldn't go to a priest. He couldn't help them. She couldn't help them. No one could help. This was a unique remedy. Simple, unique, and it was personal. You didn't go as a family. My father would look for me. No, you had to look yourself. You're not a Christian because your mother was one or father was one. You've got to look yourself. How powerful. One look healed, restored, the venom taken out. Did it last? Oh, it did. One look, and you were healed. How specific it was. It was what God 
prescribed. It wasn't really rational. A pole, a piece of brass, defies all the physicists, the biologists, the chemists. Oh no, this was supernatural. Everything with God is. And it was extraordinary. Oh, what did they have to look at? They just had to look up. Let me apply this to the cross. What must we do tonight? You need to look away from yourself. You need to look up to the cross. You need to forget yourself. That's the big problem of human nature. We're so self-absorbed. Look at my fashion. Look at my accomplishments. Look at me. No, look to the cross. Look at Christ. Look at what he's done. Look at his love. Look at his provision. Why must they look? Because there might be 15 minutes and they would be dead. 15 minutes to live. Or they might die. There's no time to waste. Don't look tomorrow or next week. Look now when the Lord is calling. No other cure. Don't go and look at your idols in your tent. Look to the cross. Look to Calvary. Every detail here speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to him. What mattered? One thing. One thing. Forget everything else. Forget your work tomorrow. For five minutes, forget your family. One thing mattered. The Lord Jesus Christ. The only Savior. The only one that can take away the legacy of the serpent the original serpent and the serpent that had bitten them. There is a wonderful hymn. It just speaks so much of this. I'm sure you know it. There's a life for a look at the crucified one. There is life at this moment for thee. Then look, sinner, look unto him and be saved, unto him who was nailed for the tree. The Lord Jesus was fixed to that pole willingly for you and for me. If you will look to him tonight, do you want that deadly, dangerous, venomous poison? Do you know with a king cobra, you've got 15 minutes to get the anti-venom into your bloodstream. The anti-venom is so expensive, if you were to make a gallon of it, it would cost 40 million pounds.
because it's so precious and so rare. Isn't the blood of the Lord Jesus the same tonight? The anti-venom to the deadly disease of sin that I suffer from and you suffer from. And the only one that didn't suffer from it is the only one that can save us tonight from the venom of Satan and the deadly disease of sin. Look and live tonight. Let's pray together. Our loving, gracious, kind, heavenly Father, what a picture. Oh, help us to look away from everything else, to look away from self-helps, to look away from family, to look away from everything that we own and possess, and to look and live to Jesus Christ tonight. We're thankful that God provided the way, the only way, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman will go to heaven except through him. Oh, hear us tonight. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his sake. Amen.